Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors. Now, here's a topic. Everyone has renovation skills, they just don't know it. That is the idea that's posited to us from today's guest, Belinda Smith, who is a renovation guru, and she's going to talk to us about different skill sets that we acquire in life that are transferable to renovations. She's here to tell us that you don't have to get down and dirty yourself, you don't have to be great with a hammer, and you don't necessarily have to know a tremendous amount about construction or building. I also have a chat to her about some of the key objections that she gets around renovating that you've just got to pay it all back in capital gains tax, you've got to get over the hurdle of stamp duty and a couple of other different objections that she hears from people. I think it's a really interesting interview from Belinda and I would encourage you to consider everything that she's talking about here and just to see whether a renovation in your property journey might be a lucrative option for you. Here's Belinda. Belinda Smith, thanks for joining me back on Geared for Growth. Thank you, Mike. It's nice to be here again. We have got an interesting angle on this one today. Obviously, you're a uh, renovator par excellence, but the topic for today is that everyone has renovation skills, they just don't know it. Now, um, I'll use myself as a case study. I may have a Bachelor of Construction Management degree, but if you've seen anything that I've built around our place, you, you would wonder whether I got that from a Wheaties packet. What if you aren't handy? <laughs> I think that what happens a lot is I speak to a lot of people who are thinking about renovating, right? Whether they're joining my program or they're renovating for themselves and they're picking my brains or they're in a free Facebook group, whatever. They tend to assume that renovating is exhausting Mm. and they tend to assume that they're going to have to be on the tools themselves to get through a project. And um, I'm here to dispel that rumour. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of, uh, I guess, if you look at shows like The Block, right, they, they make it look um, kind of glamorous in terms of the returns and what they're doing and, you know, what it sells for at auction. But, but even they get dirty. So you're telling us that we don't even have to get dirty? Oh, somebody has to do that work, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you. And the thing that happens when you get dirty like that is that if you're one person with one lot of energy and two hands per person, Mm. there's only so much you can do in an amount of time, like over a week or maybe even two weeks. But if you get many people on the job other than yourself, then speed becomes a great factor in moving through projects and ending up in a position of profit because you can do more of them because you're less physically involved and so you're less exhausted by the whole concept. I'm just wondering though, do people sort of think that they've got to be involved because really it's harder to make that project profitable if they're not doing some of the hard yakka? I mean, can you be a successful renovator and outsource most of the the hard yakka? You can actually outsource 100% if you want to run it that way. Most people, I think, like a little bit of everything. They just will stick to what they enjoy doing the most and they feel capable about doing and hand over the rest to the more experienced people. I, I was talking this morning to actually two ladies. They have different families, different husbands, 
both of their husbands run handyman services. So the ladies were saying what slows them down the most and what's the most frustrating part of their renovation projects is that their husbands feel like they need to be doing all of the work. And so they're fitting this work in between their handyman business and their own clients and they just slow everything down. Mm. They slow everything down. So it's not always the way. You don't need to do it all. So let's say you you don't feel terribly handy, and I mean I I I'm, I mean I, I probably did myself a disservice. I am very good at sweeping, and that clearly has a value in the renovation. There's, someone's got to sweep up, right? But I agree. You, you yep. can you contend that you know if you are a professional person or a capable mm-hmm. person in any way, you will have some skills that are applicable to renovating. What sort of skills are you talking about? Uh, beyond sweeping, that's that's the stuff for air tasker or a local backpacker right. or <laughs> or the kids down the street who you want to throw twenty dollars at. So the skills. So many people think that they don't have the skills to renovate, but renovation itself is just a whole series of finding solutions to the issues you encounter along the way, and a whole bunch of communicating with other people like tradies and getting other people to do those tasks for you. It's like project management. It's funny how people are at work and they might be in a position like that in their day-to-day jobs or even women at home who are managing three kids, dogs, cats, work, school, canteen, juggling all those things that they think that they they can't renovate or they don't value those skills. So management is one of them, just being able to manage your time and your resources and just to get your family moving. The day-to-day stuff, we discount those skills as being applicable to a renovation, but they're everything. That, that is an interesting point. I mean, if you are an adult, and most of my listeners are, not all of them, uh, then, <laughs> then you will have a job, you will have a place to live, you will have bins to take out, you will have bills to pay, you will have things to organise. Now, those are, there are inherent skill sets in, in, in just being a person, is that what you're saying? 100%. We don't value them enough. And and people make renovating bigger than it is. There's a whole bunch of moving parts to getting a successful flip happening. Um, I was listening to a podcast you recorded only a few weeks ago and it was all about buying right, and that's so correct. That's one of the components. There are many, many components, but they're all learnable and and you just need to tackle them one by one, the same as we tackle everything in our lives one thing at a time. Same thing, same skills. And speaking of that one thing at a time, you've described renovating as being able to make a series of decisions efficiently. Yeah, yeah. Things like design choice, what you're going to do with that property, what property you're going to buy in the first place, what products you're going to use. Colours, colours is a big one and I know that choosing a colour sometimes can stop people in their tracks, especially white. You know, you drive past those places and you see 15 colour swatches on the wall where someone's struggling to make a choice. But really, if you can make decisions reasonably quickly, you'll get through those decisions and get your renovation done. All the fixtures and fittings, just a series of decisions. And one decision feeds off the back of another. So when it comes to people that aren't necessarily experienced on the tools you you focus on you know making the right decisions and organizing but you've you've also got to understand the relationship between uh the subcontractors the people that you're kind of engaging like 
that strikes me as a skill set that maybe some people have, but it can be difficult if they're not familiar with that industry. For example, how how do you select a plumber and how do you know when the tiling has to be done or does it have to wait for a widget that the plumber needs to install? How can you do that if you don't have a building background? You just I think you've just got to hang with people who do have a building background or ask lots of questions and be resourceful. We don't know everything like I don't think one person knows absolutely everything and I think being resourceful and being prepared to ask YouTube is fantastic as well just looking things up online obviously doing renovation education courses that's a no-brainer but just like just being resourceful and being prepared to learn and understand that maybe the first renovation might be not a perfect a perfect um I don't know, it mightn't be perfectly smooth and the outcome mightn't be as, as awesome as you expect, but the next one's going to be a little bit better because you'll learn on the go and the next one's going to be even better than that. And just, you know, understand that we all have certain skills like, okay, some people are great at numbers, other people are great at colours, some people are great with communicating with tradies, other people are shy about it, some people know what a standard is acceptable, say in tiling, and other people don't. It's a lot of it is learning on the fly or asking people who know the bits and pieces that you don't. And if you are wanting to get going, there's no reason why you can't be doing this in a group, right, where you're sort of divvying up the skills. Like I'm very good at Excel and analysing numbers. You might have somebody that's very good at, at talking to people and negotiating prices or one that's a really good planner and can schedule things. Is that something that you see people to doing and pooling their, their resources and their knowledge together? Yeah, absolutely. Family members or people who meet other people through a community and decide to do a joint venture together. The first thing that needs to happen is everybody needs to sit around and have a coffee or perhaps a drink and work out um, what they're capable of doing, what they actually want to engage in, who they think they need to hire and understand all of the people around that table, all of those skills um, and also lean on the network of those people. So if there's just one of you doing a renovation, you only know a certain circle of people. But if you've got, say, two couples doing a renovation between those two couples, they've got quite a, a, an extended network that they can reach out to. And that includes tradies that they've worked with before and know are good. Yeah, and that seems yeah. to be key. I mean, if you, if you aren't a tradie yourself, it, it seems to be key that you've got to find those good tradies. Now, I've always thought that property managers are great people to, to ask questions about, do you know any good tradies, just by the sheer volume of work that they must be doing with them. Are there any other secret ways to find out, you know, to find the good tradies? Yeah, definitely. Um, property managers are fantastic, especially for the smaller handyman-like jobs. The other people I like to ask, particularly if you're renovating in an area where you're unfamiliar and you're getting a start, are local engineers and architects because not only do they, they, they see these builders before projects, but they're also checking on projects midway and they're talking to clients or the, or the homeowners and so that they get a chance to find out whether those builders are great and they'd recommend them or not. So they get a chance to look at their quality of work mm. um, so that they're great to touch base with. And whenever we talk about 
renovations, your face really lights up. And I guess the, the topic for the topic today is that everyone has the skills they don't know. It. I mean, yeah. is it your wish that that more people jumped into renovation? I mean, that's that's I guess creating more competitors for yourself, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> plenty, plenty of property. There's ugly houses in every street, and every <laughs> it's like a hairdresser never runs out of hair that's growing long and needs a cut. Well, in the renovation space, we never grow out of properties that are aging. Every day, every property is getting a little bit older mm. and some of those properties need revamping from time to time. I love renovating. I've seen what it does for people, their families. I love seeing the look on someone's face when they have a successful renovation. They get through the project and it's everything they wanted it to be. And I see that it really lights people up, including me. And and, and this is the thing too, in renovating, you can stick to what you really enjoy. For me, it is fiddling around with colours and it is choosing, running around, getting all the cushions and like that whole putting it together at the end, mm. that really mm. excites me. So my husband, he's more like, he's into the fitting the doors and throwing mm. on the skirting boards and, and doing all the prep for me to finish off. And that's how we run things together that lights us up. So that we've kind of centred on our own roles and everybody can find their own roles and, and really hone in on the things that they enjoy so it's enjoyable for them. But, yeah, I just I just think renovating is a great vehicle. It's just a great vehicle to have some fun, create some wealth, engage the kids. Yep. Well, awesome. Gets 10 out of 10 from me, Mike. Well, that was that was speaker one for the affirmative team. And I'm going to try and be speaker one, two, three for the negative team. For, for the people that say, look, renovation is great in an appreciating market because you're getting the work done and the property's sort of going up in value uh, anyway because of the markets happening. The market's sort of coming off. Is it, Are there still opportunities to, to make money in a market that's, that's declining? And do you have to be careful about your timeframes? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, applying a different strategy to a different market works as well. For example, when the market was flying along, you could take your time with the renovation. The market was actually working in your favour. Right now, you set tight timeframes and it's tricky with tradies. So you've got to line them all up and get organised and hustle a little bit harder to get your tradies and also your product all ordered in advance and only focus on product that's available right now. I think they're the key components to renovating in this market. But, you know, at the moment, if you wanted to sit around and wait for your property to grow in value by itself, you'd be waiting for a little while, whereas at least with a renovation, you do have the opportunity to manufacture that growth really quickly and then move from project to project. So, yes, speed is of the essence, which is why if you're not awesome at DIY, you you shouldn't be of the belief that you actually have to roll up your sleeves and get in and do everything yourself because you're only going to slow the project down. And... um. Lastly, Mike, I know I talk a lot, don't I? Okay, <laughs> it's happy hour somewhere. So, you know, the market's coming off here and there. I mean, I was at an open for inspection yesterday. There would have been 30 groups through this house yesterday, mm. and yesterday was not a weekend. So um, 
You know, the market's not coming off the boil in every location, every suburb, in every part of Australia. So find your pockets. That's true, isn't it? There, I mean, there is no the market, is there? <laughs> there's there's, yeah. there's yeah. millions of different markets everywhere and there's yeah. going to be markets from one end of the street to the next. All right, so you gave you gave Speaker 1 for the negative a bit of a toweling. <laughs> Speaker 2 is going to ramp up the, the pressure a little bit here. I'm loving this devil's advocate stuff. <laughs> Now, the, the bloody capital gains tax. I mean, renovating, yes. it's it's not worthwhile because you just got to pay all that money that you made back in tax. What do you say to people that say that? Oh, God, I get that one a lot. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, I think a lot of people use it as an excuse not to have a crack. Yep. A lot of people just say, oh, okay, I'm going to have to pay a lot in tax so I just won't bother with it in the first place. And people love to give advice, even if you're keen yourself, other people love to advise you, hey, watch out about the tax. Um, I think that a really good accountant can save your butt and see an accountant with your intentions before you buy a property to make sure you're buying it in the entity that suits you to actually do that property and get your purpose all sorted. If you're going to flip a home, that's exactly what you're going to do, not hold it for the long term or vice versa. So know what you're going to do, know your purpose, know what your next right move is for you, whether you want, you know, a small chunk to move on and go and to do something else or you want to look for a, a property to renovate to um, so it rents out for more. Like just know your purpose before you speak to your accountant so he can advise you with the best information to legally minimise your tax. Tax is something we've all got to pay yeah, in some way, shape or form. They're going to come and get us. And it's it's called a capital gains tax, right? So you don't pay it unless you make any money. It's a tax on the profit. It's not the whole yeah. profit, right? No, but, and, and also it gets mushed in with your um, other fit facts and figures, you know. Like we all pay tax on the income that we earn and it becomes part of the income that you earn. So I just leave all of that to the tax accountant. Um, and, you know, you can buy properties too. People think that they have to buy them in 50-50 and you don't. You can buy them, you know, in two, two partnerships but it can be split 90-10. Like these are things that a, a tax accountant, a good one, will advise you on before you purchase a property, before you write your name on those contracts. All right. I've got one more chance to convince Did everyone. Did I go all right? No, that's I'm great. I'm not an accountant. Speaker, but, you know, speaker I, two's I, back I, in the box. <laughs> I've got, I got, I've got one run last at me, one. Mike, run at me. I'm just having too much fun. So, speaker <laughs> three of the negative that you yeah. know everyone has renovation skills, they just don't know it, and renovation is a worthwhile thing. Yeah. Uh, stamp duty, you got to, yes. you got to pay this whopping big tax in the in the beginning. So already you've got to leap over that hurdle to to be able to make it a viable project. Is is that yeah. another one that people sort of say, look? You know, that that's just, it's an insurmountable thing. Um, it, it's something that we have to pay, we can't avoid. I mean, obviously there's changes to the way that we're going to pay stamp duty um, coming through the door right now. So that'll be interesting to see what impact that has on the property market. And um, But in the end, it's a fee that we have to pay. So we do these beautiful things called feasibility studies before we purchase property and all of our costs have to go into that FISO. If it's not a goer, it's not a goer. Every property, even if it's run down, might not be the one that you should pick to renovate and assume that you're going to make profit. In the end, you know, the numbers are so important and stamp duty is just something that we have to factor in, along with real estate commissions and fees to get people to style the property if that's what you're going to do. 
put all the figures in first and make sure that you're buying a really good property that there's that nice big juicy chunky gap between the unrenovated property and the renovated property to allow for all of those costs and let the spreadsheet decide it's a meritocracy right yes 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 and there are so many properties i'm i really am cautious there are so many properties that i walk from that even in you know as time goes by i think oh you know i probably would have done okay out of that but if it doesn't feel really like you know, if, you, if you're not giving it a 9.9 out of 10 at that time, then just go and be patient and look for something else. There's always another one around the corner. Awesome. And on that stamp duty front, I mean, the proposed legislation with New South Wales, I'm not sure, is it past legislation? But if it, if it isn't, um, it likely will be. And I think many of the other states will, will follow where you can, you can pay your big stamp duty up front or you can pay an ongoing basically just sort of like a land tax surely that's got to remove some of the hurdles in the in the flipping kind of idea so we might actually see properties being flipped quite a lot more and and perhaps whole areas could be gentrified by this right if you think about it if you incentivize somebody to go and make a property better then the beneficiary is going to be the community and all of the tenants that live in them i mean that that sort of seems like a great sort of mission to get behind um, yeah, there's a there's a little part of it excites me, and a little part of it I just think that over time, will when it plays out, we'll be able to better judge what it's doing with the property market. It actually might put some pressure on those unrenovated properties and and get buyers excited a little bit more, and it may even inflate prices a little bit more. It's it's I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. I just I'm, I'll be Switzerland on that until I see it <laughs> until I see it play out. You'll find a way um, to make the numbers stack no matter what, I'm sure. Well, and that that's what it'll come down to. It'll come down to examining exactly the way to go around things to make sure. And, and But that also is like your intention with the property becomes very, very clear and important. Yeah. You know, whether you're going to hold it for the long time. I love holding properties. I don't flip everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it all depends yeah. on your personal strategy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. In, in, in finishing us off, uh, Belinda, for, for people that have always thought, I, I can't really renovate because I don't, I'm not handy or uh, I don't think it's a way that I can make money because, you know, of the tax or the stamp duty. What, what would you say to those people listening? I just urge them to at least explore the option property. If you examine what's happened to property since, oh my goodness, you go back to the 1930s and then the 50s and then the 70s, I'd I've loved it all of my life and I've only really been trading in property since 86 was my first purchase. So um, I think property is a beautiful vehicle. Whether you want to renovate or not, hands-on is up to you. I think it's a great way of just forcing value on a property in a really short time and I think that you should leave your mindset open to the fact that you probably be probably be able to do it if you've got some basic organisation skills, if you can run a family, if you can go to to work if you're a teacher or a nurse or you're in business and you're working for a boss and following all the directions that they give you all day and you know making things happen then you've got the goods to actually make a renovation happen and sometimes in our mind we'll come up with all these objections and reasons why not when I just really love it when people think well you know imagine if 
And I wonder how many people have said, I made X amount on this deal and it takes me a year to make that money and I did it in six or eight weeks. Is that a typical sort of thing you'll hear from people? Yeah, it's actually very, very common. And when they do that, then they get very excited about possibly throwing their uh, their day jobs in, of which at which point I say, whoa, just hang on a minute, you know, like just it has to be the right time yeah, beautiful. to do that. But, yeah, it's definitely possible. Always sagely advice. Belinda, thanks for, for joining me back on the show. I know I'm a bit boring with my advice sometimes. I'm very sensible. Never. I'm a sensible woman. This is this is a get rich slow podcast anyway. There's no Ponzi <laughs> schemes here. But, I mean, you, you, your sales pitch was, was really just, you know, I'm not forcing you to do it, but don't be closed-minded. Have a look in it. For a lot of people, it works. So, I mean, if we get yeah. if we get sent to ASIC for that, then <laughs> everyone's in trouble. <laughs> Come at, run at me. Run, everyone can run at me. That's okay. That was great fun. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Cheers.